playing 18 to a full 60. Early leads to buzzer beaters. It all starts by getting on the board. Welcome inside episode 38 of On the Board. I'm Colby McKee. Across from me, Lance Dahl. Hello. No Corey Bacoskis, hey. as you see no. tonight, if you're watching on YouTube. Yeah, thanks for watching on YouTube. Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate that. You. Uh, but he's missing a good one because Don't we've got a ton to get us. to. Can they even see us on YouTube? Well, they'll be the, the judge of that. <laughs> Rocking a one-camera setup tonight. We don't know. Um, tons to get to, like I mentioned, with the NHL trade deadline. We'll touch mm-hmm. on that and all the moves that came down the pipe today and their last week or so. Uh, but we'll start, as always, with the Messinat Tigers. They had a, uh, a so-so week. We'll kick it back to last Monday, mm-hmm. Family Day, the uh, midday game against the Winnipeg Ice. Fell yeah. 4-2. Yep. Tough result. Um, Liam Hughes, again, stood on his head. Yeah. But uh, I guess what I've been hearing a lot of is they really like, fans have been really liking that midweek, midday concept game. Like... Is that more yeah. something that WHL should look into for for not just the Tigers but the whole league? More well, engagement, I guess. Like a lot of teams do it. Like Calgary does it a lot. Edmonton does it a lot. Like the bigger cities, right? Yeah. But like that was the first one that I can remember, at least in the Canalta Center. Right. If not, like ever, I I would have to go look. But no, I was fun. Yeah, it was a good crowd. Like you said, the bigger centers. I know the Tigers have played in those. You know, kids' day games. They mm-hmm. bring the school buses full of kids. Yeah. Well, I, I think in Calgary they do something where it's like the matinees are, are cheaper or something like that. Or they, they have some kind of promotion that they run anyway. But yeah. no, I was good in the Canalta Center. That was that was a fun crowd. That's good. Yeah. It was too bad they lost in front of a big crowd. Of but, course. <laughs> but it was it was fun nonetheless. Yes. And uh, yeah, I think that's something that they're trying to get the, the younger fan, uh, you know, kids and, and, you know, just the, the younger folks, uh, yeah. keep them awake. And that's the one way to do it. So I think they should look into that more, especially mm-hmm. at least one game next year and, and going forward. Uh, fast forward to Friday night, 4-2 win at home against the Tri-City Americans. Um, what more can you say about Captain Hamlin? Scores two in that one. He's up to 35 on the year. Yeah. And uh, he's just he's chugging along. Yeah, the team like wasn't very happy with with how they played in that one. It was a weird feeling being kind of in the tunnel after they came off, and none of the coaches were happy. None of the players were overly pumped. Like, yeah, they won, but it, it was a weird feeling. I didn't get to see much of the game, but by all accounts, they just didn't play all that well. They almost played down to their opponent, mm-hmm. which is tough not to do when, I mean, realistically, do enough to get the win. Like, it, it would be a different story if they lost, but did enough to get a win, so... I guess you just take the points and move on. But yeah, Hamlin's been incredible. I right. mean, it's, it's not surprising, but he's looked really good. And they kind of took a new look on the lines. They, they've jumbled them up over the weekend. Well, kind of. I mean, they just moved Kemp up to that top line and then brought uh, Svikovsky down. He was kind of floating between the second and third at different points. Yeah. Wasn't and always with Chazowski and uh, Brinkman no. or whoever was there on that left wing. For the most part, but then they were kind of mixing and matching a little bit and and floating around because Elijah Brown was getting some time on the second line as well. So they have the the options, which was a nice thing. And I guess at this point in the season, trying to see what chemistry you might have down the road isn't the worst because I don't know that they necessarily needed to mix up the lines, but it was worth 
given a look at, if none, if nothing else. Yeah, it's like you said, it's nice to have Brown, a guy like Brown that can kind of jump up and down. Obviously, mm-hmm. Kemp and and uh, Svevkoski as well. And I mean, we're just waiting on Sillinger as well. Like he yeah. adds, obviously, he adds another dimension that they're going to be, you know, needing come playoff time, which is what we're we're a handful of games left in the regular season. So, uh, getting that those line combinations ready for our first round matchup is going to be key. Which we've now confirmed that they have made the playoffs for the forty fourth yep. time in their fifty year history. Which uh, when you when you think about that big of a number, like. It's Most franchises dream of having this continued <laughs> yeah, right? success. Right. And I mean, granted, it's a smaller league, but still, like that's years crazy. And like that's, I, I'm not a math major, but that's a that's an A percentage right there. Yeah, that is uh, running at 88. percent That's a good. That's a good number. That I'll is, take that if that I was in college. That is a very good number. I would. T- yeah, 88 would pass, <laughs> right. and then some. I, I would take two 88s and be happy with my life. Um, but yeah, no, like it's a. Uh, just a, a strong season. I know they have bigger aspirations. You said uh, Sillinger. There was some chatter on maybe if he would come back this past weekend. Uh, never happened. Um, maybe we see him in this Regina home and home. But uh, 11 games left in the regular season. So, I mean, if you want to get him back up to speed a little bit, really, how many does he need? Five, mm-hmm. probably. So there, there's no real rush to bring him back. I mean ideally you'd want to finish second like you want to win out regardless if Sillinger's in the lineup or not and, and try and get second in the division but even if you drop down to that first wild card because I mean right as of right now they're only two points ahead of Calgary and so it's like even if they drop down into that first wild card spot it's not the worst thing to ever happen I mean you you'll be playing an east division that why well, you could argue the top four from the central are Beat. all equal if not better than the top team or two from from the East Division. So, I mean, the matchup might be a little bit softer, like on a physicality standpoint. Like, just anytime you get like a Tigers and and say a Lethbridge or Tigers in Calgary, that would be a rough series and a tough a tough one to go through. So, it, it th- there's pros and cons to everything, right? But uh, obviously, if they can get home ice through the first round and and get second in the division, that would be ideal. But, I mean. Whether or not Sillinger's a part of that last eleven games, last five games, last game, whatever, mm-hmm. whenever he falls in, is is probably going to be the right timing. Speaking of the the rest of the schedule, I did see a stat on Twitter just today, uh, and forgive me for who exactly tweeted it, but there's one of the, kind of the major analytic insiders mm-hmm. uh, that broke down the strength of schedule for the rest of the WHL teams mm-hmm. and the Tigers by a fairly good margin, have the uh, lowest strength of schedule for these last 11 games. They're facing some... Yeah, the easiest. So they're facing your vaginas. They're facing some Swift for a couple games. Yeah, they got Um, seven of their last 11 against teams that aren't in a playoff spot. They got home and home with Regina, three with Swift, two with Red Deer. Mm -hmm. That makes up the seven that that are with teams outside of playoffs. And then, of course, uh, they have a home and home with Lethbridge to end the season. I can't remember who's in the middle. Yeah, I don't have the schedule in front of me. You think it's over there? Oh, that's a good point. Uh, but I'm missing. What day are we something. at? Today is the today is still the twenty fourth. I think we're recording on a Monday. Yes, home and home Regina, Swift for one, a Calgary Edmonton home series, uh, Red Deer, then a home and home with Swift Current, back to Red Deer the following week, and then we wrap up like you mentioned with the home and home with Lethbridge. So, yeah, I mean, you, you see Calgary again, you see yep. Edmonton again. Obviously, you see Lethbridge for two, but that middle Regina Swift and and Red Deer. Yeah. And I mean, you want to say that the Tigers should win all seven of those games against the teams that aren't in playoff spots. 
I don't think they're going to be giving away points at this time of the season. And based off the effort that we saw against the Spokane Chiefs, they're probably not going to do that. Yeah. It seems like they're going to be picking up all the points that they possibly can. Um, so th- those games against... I mean, the home and home with Lethbridge will be interesting because if that shakes out and end up being a playoff series, like you're looking at potentially nine, nine straight, games. right? <laughs> Which is just fucking insane. Oh my god! Like that's that's a bit much, but okay. Um, but those could be big games to depend or to determine home ice. And I mean, like Lethbridge isn't out of the woods from Calgary either, so they need to play well down the stretch. Calgary wants to get up into a second place spot in the division because they're close too. So. Yeah, like having the the softer schedule means that they should be rolling coal when it comes to points. We did have that extra game in hand on Lethbridge that we used up on Saturday, according to Bob. And uh, unfortunately, like you mentioned, that result there with Spokane was not what the Tigers were looking for, 2-1 defeat. Uh, We were just talking off mic, though, like it legit felt like a playoff game inside Canelta. Like the crowd was good, uh, a lot of energy, a lot of questionable calls let's put it that way yeah um it was it was a really tough matchup with a, a team that is loaded with talent mm-hmm. um obviously you got beckman one of the uh, stars of the league yep. you got ty smith on defense their their goalie uh Perik, Perik, i don't even know how to pronounce his last he name he looked good he was very good yeah and uh they uh, you know we've been running into a, a good string of goalies lately uh yep. whether it's you know the edmonton guys uh winnipeg with hughes obviously uh here in spokane um we're having a tough time getting the puck in the net, and that's uh, yeah. But I, it's not for lack of effort. I mean, you're going to have those stretches that the team and the fans are kind of used to the Tigers constantly scoring four plus a night, right? And so, I mean, you're going to have these these games where it's two one. You're going to run into like you said the Winnipeg and Hughes and, and lose four two, whatever it may be. But uh, actually, and just quickly, you touched on the crowd. Like Friday was even good too. It was cool to see there was a lot of Tri City Americans fans that made the trip. I've seen that on social which media, which was super cool. Uh, so that was neat. And then yeah, like Saturday was like a, a really good feel for for what playoff hockey is gonna gonna be like in the Canalta Center this year. It was it was buzzing the whole time. The team was buzzing for I'd say fifty minutes. There might have been a ten minute stretch in the first period that they'd like to have back, and there was just there was spurts in the first, but then the second and third like. That looked like a, a team that, like, that was probably one of their most complete games they've had all season. And they, they lost 2-1, but, I mean, yeah. the, the amount of opportunities and chances they were creating and how it was constantly four lines of pressure, I mean, yeah, there, there probably could have been a call or two more, but I guess you're, you're also going to see it loosen up a little bit and, and things not get called as tight when you get into playoffs, right? So. Yeah. So to get into a game like that where you're not seeing a lot of calls and there's some borderlines that aren't being blown down things like that like those are good experiences to have and and to play a, a tough Spokane Chiefs team that I think they came into that game with the same amount of points as the Tigers but that U.S. division is serious like yeah. if I, I mean any one of the top three teams in, in the U.S. division could walk away with a WHL title this season that's how good they are yeah so to to play like they did and put in that effort like that was that was one of the best uh, games I've seen top to bottom all year yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, that first period, the fact that they outshot the Chiefs at the end of one, the way they played, like I was talking to a person I was sitting with, it legit felt like that shot could have been reversed, could have been yeah. Chiefs up in the shot clock because they did not play well in the first, and they come back and they you, they absolutely blitzed the Chiefs in that second period. They yeah. were so fast. I have never seen them this season be as quick on the cycle, and yeah. they, just so much pressure, like you mentioned, all four lines were just dynamic yeah i said it it to jesse a couple times i was like these like i've never i haven't seen this season and and you can even throw last season and i haven't seen 
the Tigers buzzing like they were. Like mm-hmm. that was that was something else. Yeah. And to think, you know, they're still missing a body in Cylinder and the, the, but they're starting to feel themselves a little bit. You can definitely tell, and, and that's 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 what I would expect. Like games like those are the ones that you would expect, and it's hard when you, like I said, you play down to a team like Tri City because you know that you have Spokane the next night, but you know now that they can get to that level, and now it's going to be expected the rest of the way. Absolutely. Like you mentioned, the upcoming schedule, home and home with uh, Regina Pats here, Friday in Regina, Saturday home against those Pats. So uh, another weekend where you got to make some hay, mm-hmm. and uh, like you mentioned, could be uh, a, a Cole Sillinger sighting this weekend. We'll mm-hmm. have to wait and see on that. Um, but it uh, should be a good weekend, and we've got to make some points up and, and keep up with Lethbridge and, and ahead of Calgary. It's going to be a very important weekend. Yeah, maybe Edmonton just loses all the rest of their games this season. They the can Tigers, afford to. And the Tigers win every game this season, then they get first. That would be that would be hope for, right? <laughs> yeah. um, okay, we're going to transition now to the NHL trade deadline. Uh, Big-time moves. There was, uh, there was plenty of trades. I believe the number was somewhere between like 28 to 30 trades today. Something like that, yeah. Now, last I saw it was 28, and that uh, was towards the end of the day upwards of uh, 50 players and 20 draft picks um we could hit on everyone but i think what we'll do is maybe we'll go back and forth what's uh what's one or a couple that caught your eye and, and made you you know really you know let's let's say a winner of today's deadline yeah i i mean obviously the easy choice is edmonton uh like with the the pickups they made and in Mike Green yesterday and then today with Andreas Athanasiu and then adding Tyler Ennis to the mix, it kind of rounds out their forward group. I mean, they are missing four forwards from their lineup right now with uh, with Neil Hurt and someone else hurt that I can't remember because I don't care enough. No. And then uh, Patrick Russell and Zach Cassian that are uh, suspended right now. So, I mean, the four forwards that are out, now you add two bodies in, and then when you bring those guys back as they come back towards the end of this regular season, they added a lot of depth. It's just it's interesting because they add three guys to a roster of 18 skaters. So that's, what, 16% mm-hmm. of your roster is different, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's one of those things, and Ken Holland actually admitted as much. It's uh, He was mentioning with Tim and Sid today that, you know, it's good to add those bodies, but it can also throw off your chemistry. And that's been the one of the biggest things that the Oilers have been missing for, for years has been enough chemistry because they've had talent here and there and they, they've had players that can that can score and they, they've had all these different pieces that have come through, but they've never seemed to have a team that gels. And now they're starting to find it. I mean, they did that, that one year that they made their playoff run. They seem to have a little bit. And but this year's group just seems a little bit different. This year's group really seems like they're they're more of a unit than than in past Oilers incarnations. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how those new faces kind of involve themselves into the group, and if that throws off any dynamic. Like you're not gonna I, if you're expecting the Mike Green that was like a lights out offensive defenseman 30 goal score yeah. with the caps like that's not happening right but he adds a little bit of depth gets I don't, is Brandon Manning still playing for them like if if he is gone well Clefbaum's still out too so yeah they that's need, true they need some bodies on the back and end. I mean he'll he'll take some minutes off of the other guys right like Darnell Nurse is playing a lot too yeah so Green can eat up some of those minutes uh, Anthony CU a lot of people are excited to see him play with McDavid because they're both really fast um, obviously, the glaring problem with Athanasio is that he's dash forty five, <laughs> and and I I understand the argument, and I, it's completely valid. 
when you're playing a lot of minutes on the worst team in hockey, you're going to wear a lot of the minuses. Oh, yeah. But, like, minus 45? Yeah. Like, that's that's bad. That's tough. Like, that, that's a guy who doesn't give a fuck about defense. <laughs> Can you make a defensive play? Right? Like, if for, for comparison's sake, if he lined up with Johnny Gaudreau, Johnny Gaudreau would look like like a Selkie candidate. <laughs> yeah. He would look like a two-way forward, <laughs> like a Michael Backlund in comparison with Athanasiu beside him. So I, it'll be interesting to see if he actually slots in there. I honestly think Tyler Ennis would be a better fit with Connor just because, yeah, keeping up with, with McDavid's one thing, but thinking like Connor is another. And I don't know that Athanasiu thinks the game as well as Tyler Ennis does. Like, I, now, forgive me if I'm wrong. I don't know if Athanasiu ever played with a guy like Dylan Larkin. Comparable yep. speed. Did yep. they ever play on the on a similar I line? Mean, they, I mean, they would run together, right? It, I, I mean, mean, it's different mindset, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, just straight up speed. Um, yeah, speed-wise, for sure. Yeah, those for guys sure. can, can match up pretty well. So I just don't know. like that, that, And that's why I lean to that Ennis would, would end up sticking there more permanently. Just because... Like when Cassian comes back, you have a little bit of size and a, and a, a bit of a separator in Cassian, and then McDavid is McDavid, mm-hmm. and Ennis thinks the game so well. Like he he's just so offensively minded and also, uh, uh, so offensively gifted with his mind. It's just like he could make plays with McDavid and see the ice better than I think Athanasiu would. But yeah, the Oilers, all in all, I think they're the easy pick for winner. Another one would be uh, Ottawa. Yeah, Ottawa had a really good day. Good like haul just collecting for, picks all yeah. over the place. I think it's like twelve or thirteen picks in this uh, upcoming year's draft, which is pretty good. You start with seven, <laughs> yeah, and then if you can basically double that, yeah, that's pretty fantastic. That Eric Carlson trade doesn't look so bad now. I no. guess all told, no, it looks I'm, pretty darn good. So I, those would be a couple guys or a couple teams rather that stood out to me quickly on the Oilers. I mean, like you said with Ken Holland, he's been itching to uh, become a buyer in this market. Yeah. And he he mentioned as much with Tim and Sid. Um, they they're so cap stricken that the ability to pull off these moves and the price they gave up, I I hate to say it, but like it's pretty good. I mean, you gave yeah. up on Sam Gagne, which is okay. A couple second rounders for Anthony Cu, uh, a fifth rounder for Ennis, and forgive me on the Mike Green trade. I think was it a second? Did they get a, no? Did they move Brodziak? Brodziak and a conditional like fourth or fifth. Yeah. So a couple, you know. Uh, 25 man roster guys in Brozniak and and uh, whoever, but I, mean, I don't yeah. think Brozniak was with the team actually. Oh, he wasn't. I don't hey. think he was. Pl- oh, okay, <clears throat> he definitely wasn't getting in the lineup, so I think he was in the A. Okay, but well, then never mind. Yeah, but I, but I mean, still, like it, it's valid. Like they they did a lot and didn't have to move a ton. They held on to their first, which was yeah. pretty uh, stricken there by by Holland. One team that I really liked was the Carolina Hurricanes and mm-hmm. the moves that they made. Now, it's surprising because. For years, at least the last few years, the Hurricanes have built themselves up on their defensive depth. Yep. And, you know, guys like Justin Falk and, and I mean, so many Jakob Slavin, yeah. Brett Pesci. So when, I don't know if it was due to injury or through trade, but they I guess they seem to lose that depth. I guess to maybe build that forward group with Aho and and uh, a guy out of Chicago there, Tara Vinen and mm-hmm. whatnot. So these moves today, bringing in uh, Brady Shea, for a first rounder, that's a pretty high price. Although Shea is, is young, uh, he's pretty underrated. Yeah, it's from a good every, pickup. Everything I, I found, uh, and then they get a guy like Sammy Vatanen to fill that offensive defenseman void. Yeah, um, who's hurt, but yeah, should be back soonish. Okay, but he's out right now. 
And then the move for Vincent Trocek, which kind of came out of nowhere mm-hmm. uh, to fill that. He's probably a top six guy as well, filling yeah. that center role. So um, very good moves and a, a steep price to pay, albeit. But that defense is basically back up to where it was a couple years ago with a stockpile of talent. Yeah. And then you got a guy that can play in your top six with, with your young kids, with Ajo and, and uh, Teravainen and such. Yeah, um, it was interesting like that, it. Like, that the Rangers and the Panthers traded to Carolina considering the Rangers and the Panthers are both right behind Carolina for the last wild card spot right now. Yeah. That was that was an interesting part to me. And and especially with, with the Rangers being in the same division and, and so to like to trade to a division rival that you're chasing and trying to track down, I mean, unless they heard the news on Bushnevich and Shesterkin and said, you know what, we're just gonna shut this down and and we'll we'll look towards the year after because you, you get a first in what's being tabbed as a pretty deep draft, hmm. then that's it's kind of a no brainer. But I mean, it's just interesting the dynamic. Like the Rangers have won eight of their last ten. They've been playing really good hockey. I mean, Shesterkin was a big factor in 100%. that. But, but uh, Georgiev and, and Lundqvist can still carry the mail enough that you, you could have seen Shea sticking around. Vinny Trocheck had a down year, but. Uh, he's. I, th- I agree with you. I think he's going to slide in really well with Carolina. I think so. That's too. a good good day for for the Hurricanes. I think so. Yeah, I, a team that I didn't think was going to be in on as a buyer, but uh, like they, Columbus, though, right? Yeah, like exact same they spot. Push last their, wild their card cards spot, in. and and they go and make the moves just like Columbus did last year. Anything can happen. That's mm-hmm. what I've seen a lot on Sportsnet <laughs> today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Um, very surprised mentioning the Rangers, Chris Kreider. A guy mm-hmm. that was, you know, pegged as one of the top dudes to go today. Mm-hmm. They, up until you know early this morning, were pretty far apart on a on a contract extension, and then something happens, like you mentioned, could be something to do with with the uh, the car accident there with the two Ranger players. But things change, and he signs his seven year, uh, six and a half million dollar extension to stay yeah. with the Rangers. Uh, that. Probably made a lot of people on the both TSN and Sportsnet pretty angry today because they probably. didn't get to break that trade. But probably, uh, what, what's your thoughts on Kreider staying with the Rangers? I mean, it makes sense. The, it, it made sense either way if if they dealt him or if they kept him. I mean, he's a piece that's been integral with how they've been playing lately and for the past few years. He's one one of the only constants that's remained on the Rangers for some time now. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been consistently in the lineup and consistently a part of their top six. So the, the re-sign makes sense. I just think the price would, was too much for, for any other potential teams to get him at this point in the season, considering when you look around and see, for example, what Blake Coleman brings back in, in Nolan Foote and a pick. And it's just like w- when you see that Barclay Goodrow goes for a first, but, I mean, Tampa's... The 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 exception, I guess, to the norm. Um, Just full stop on that. We talked about this in the group chat, and yeah. Corey was like, "I do not know how to value players in this league anymore." If Barclay Goudreau <laughs> can go for a first round pick, yeah. But like you said, Tampa is definitely an exception. If you want to break down every first rounder that is not on their roster, yeah, anymore. they don't have any left. They have, well, <laughs> they have one. They have one first round pick from the past decade still on their roster. And it's Cal Foot, who's in the AHL with Syracuse. Crazy. Outside of that, when Nolan Foot got dealt, they have traded or not had their pick for the past decade. Like uh, Brett Connolly, Vladislav Nemestikov. I'm just going off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nolan Foot was in there. 
Uh, those are the only ones I can remember now. Yeah. Slater Cuckoo was in there. Oh, that's a good one. He was he was in the mix. But yeah, in any case, for it, a team that has built their roster based on the the drafting depth, yeah, to trade their first is crazy. Yeah, they. But just, anyways, they just don't believe in it. Apparently, they no. just like to pick in the fourth and fifth rounds. So that's pick where up they a Tyler Johnson guys. here and there. Yeah, and Andre Palat of and the Andre world. Palat. Alex Kalorn. Like fuck, they've got so many. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry, we were continuing your thought on. What was I saying? I don't, I don't even remember what we were talking about. Good. Anywho. Um, yeah, we talked about Goudreau. I was just looking up points we can talk about. Uh, what do you think about... Oh, Jake the price on Chris Kreider. It would have been too much, I think. That, that was a problem. Okay. I, th- I just don't I don't know that any teams would have had enough to move to get Kreider in. Yeah, it's a big ask, probably. It would have been from the Rangers, huge. obviously. It would have been huge. Um, you like the extension there on J.G. Pajot to the Islanders? Uh, I guess so. He, he, I don't know. Was he got like five mil a year? Is he that got what it five is? mil over six. Yeah, that's that's fine. Islanders give up a conditional first. Could be a first in either this year or next year's draft. Second rounder this year and a conditional third based on uh, if they reach the. I think it's like either a conference final or a Stanley Cup final. But anyways, there, I think there needs to be a little buyers beware when you're dealing with the Sens and their rentals. Because mm-hmm. when you look at last year, like Duchesne didn't do anything, and I understand that. Pajot now isn't a rental because he has a contract. I get that. Yeah. But the the theory is still the same when you're bringing them in and they're, br- they're bringing in these players for the playoff run. And it's like, okay, Duchesne went to Columbus last year. wasn't all that great. Ryan Dezingle, I don't even know where the fuck he's playing right now. Is he in Carolina? He might be. Oh, that's a good point. Wasn't he at Columbus? He was. He got traded to Columbus at the deadline. Right, but then he left as a free and agent. And then he left as a free agent, and I think he went to Carolina. Oh, gosh. I, but that's exactly I my heard point. I his name in a highlight. And Dezingle was a guy that everyone was earmarking. So it, it's really tough when you get standout players on shitty teams yep. and you bring them in because it's like, okay, what are they actually? Are they just like stat stuffers? Or yeah, what? And, and how are you going to incorporate them into your lineup? Because let's face it, Pajot being a first-line center on the Sens probably isn't a first-line center on the Islanders, I would hope. So, no, he – I mean – Talking or hearing Lou Lamarillo talk today, he could be a third line center on their team behind yeah. Barzell and and Brock Nelson and, and guys like that. So and at five million a year, that's a lot for a third line center. It is. So I mean, he's a good two way forward, no doubt about it. Yeah, but uh, like the move makes sense for them for this year. I'm I'm a little surprised at the extension, but they really wanted the player, so get it done. I guess they got it done. Um, thoughts on Calgary's haul of their two defensemen to bolster up. Uh, they're back in with Eric Gustafson and uh, Derek Forbort. Yeah, it adds some depth, yeah. uh, which is uh, the obvious answer, but it, it adds some needed depth. I mean, Shillington can get fired to the fucking sun and just never return again because I'm so done with Oliver Shillington. Are you? In his, I don't even know, he's only played like 20 games. He's a young him. dude. Yeah, I, he's, it's like he's so fast that his brain can't catch up to his feet. Yeah, he's a little... Like, he, he doesn't think the game well enough right now. And that's not to say he won't, but, like, he just reminds me of shades of TJ Brody that can move so well but just can't mentally keep up. Mm-hmm. And and that was, like, a, a big thing that needed to get addressed because, <clears throat> excuse me, now you bring in Valimaki at some point, whether it's next season or whatever, whenever he fills in. Because Gustafson looks like a guy that they could probably re-sign. Yeah, Gustafson could be a could be a piece that they that they keep. Sixty point guy last year. Yeah, yeah, and so he he'll add some two way ability. I would say Forbort's definitely more of a shutdown guy. They didn't really have to give up much to get either no, one. No, and it, if you're gonna make a run, you need 
seven, eight, nine defensemen, and they have that now, even with uh, with Shillington in there. So, yeah, I would say all in all, it was it was a, a decent day, nothing crazy, and they no. moved out Brandon Davidson for. I don't even know if they got anything back. I think uh, they just future considerations oh, is what that is. Oh, I thought they just traded them and <laughs> for, actually we we don't for need for a laundry uh, not refrigerator even. or something. Not even. Just just pay the, the plane ticket. <laughs> just just pay the flights. Um you I mean Gustafson is a UFA come the end of the year. You got guys like Hamannick coming up. So you you you're imagining that's kind of the trade off. You sign one and get rid of the other. Well, I think um, Hannafin's in play too. Hannafin's in play. I th- I, w- I would think that there's gonna depending on how the rest of the season goes, and if there's a playoff run, how that goes, mm-hmm. Hannafin could be in play for a top six forward. Interesting. And I just don't know that it was necessarily available at the deadline, just because those moves are tougher to make at the deadline when you have the money that Hannafin's on, the length and the term, and all that stuff that goes along with it, and his age. There's a lot of different factors that go into it, but I could see. Hannafin being a piece that gets used to to try and lure in a top six forward if they want to make a trade at say the draft. Yeah. Um, there's also been a lot of rumor for for quite a while now that uh, when free agency opens, Taylor Hall wants to really take a look at Calgary. So that's an option to address that. But I don't know. There, there's a lot that can change between now and then. But I think Hannafin could be in play. So I don't know that necessarily Hamnick's out the door per se, but. Gustafson seems like a piece that they could re-sign, be affordable, be a 5-6 guy that can flirt power play time every now and then if needed mm-hmm. and, and kind of give you a little bit of support that way. It's just surprising you say that because, like, what's life going to be like after Geo goes? And, well, like, you, what, yeah, who becomes that stalwart? Like, Brody, Brody's going to be gone. Yep. I thought Hannafin might step into that one or two role. Yeah, and there I mean, was, you got Valimaki, who's was projected thought, to be right? a top four guy. Like yeah. he's coming. Um, yeah, it's just I, I, it's surprising. Like I don't know what life on Calgary's D is going to be like after Geo goes. I think Rasmus Anderson's being tabbed as being that guy. Mm. Uh, although I don't know that he necessarily. I don't know if he necessarily has the offensive upside. No, I don't think but, so. I mean, obviously, to compare that to a guy who's one of Norris is is saying a lot. But I think I think Rasmus Anderson's being tabbed as that guy for the Flames post Geo. Mm-hmm. But Valimaki's going to be there, and they need to address their top six because let's not forget there there could be a time where say they go and move Hannafin for a top six forward, and then a year or two later, now we're in the last year of a Johnny Gaudreau deal. Yeah, where. He could be a guy, and there's, I mean, this talk's been going on for years where Johnny's not going to be sticking around after his contract's up. And so if that's the case, I mean, he's a guy that you can move in return to get uh, a top four defenseman back and whatever other pieces it would entail. But yeah. he'd be a, a kind of a guy that you could piece together in that whatever a potential future would look like to kind of replenish the back end. But I, I don't know that Hannafin necessarily needs to be a part of it. I, I expect that he would be, but at the same time, I don't think over the course of what's been now a year and a half that his time in, in Calgary has gone as well as people would have expected, I guess. That's a good point, 100%. Um, and like you said, uh, Goudreau, Monaghan, their deals are very team-friendly compared in this day and age of NHL hockey. Um, and when they do come up, which is very soon, yeah. Uh, it's going to be a very tough decision for, for Trilivian and folks. So I could easily be 
uh, on the table. Anything else trade deadline that you want to touch on? Uh, a couple minor really. moves, obviously. Like Boston got better. Yeah, getting uh, like they got Kasha, and then then they get Nick Ritchie as well. Are you a fan of Nick Ritchie? Because a lot of people were slamming him. That's a and that trade. That's a good move. Yeah, that's a good move for Boston. Boston's maybe a, maybe tough. a third line guy. Like I don't know, he wasn't getting like top minutes out in Anaheim. No, but Boston needed to do something because they looked at what Tampa was doing. They add more physicality and goal scoring in Blake Coleman. They add more physicality in Barkley Goodrow. And so they needed to do something. I mean, they got the skill guy in Kasha that can play in their top six. But to get Nick Ritchie, I think he adds a physical element that because you have to play against the teams in your division. You have to compare, and that's why we saw so many moves in the Pacific yeah. this year because, I mean, it was so wide open that so many teams were making moves. No, I liked what Boston did. I think Nick Ritchie fits in there well. I mean, he looks like a guy that could play with Charlie Coyle, and that would be a not fun line with whoever the third the big boy line. You're right. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun to play against. So, uh, People were really crapping on the Wayne Simmons to Buffalo. Why? Right? For a, like, for why a would they rounder? do that? I don't understand what Buffalo's doing. And well, the return is super low. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand. Yeah, like they, uh, if they're not re-signing him, it doesn't make sense. Because yeah. I I think Simmons had either a no move or a no trade. He had one of the two. Yes, he waived it. He he waves one of his whatever clause it was, and apparently it was about his dogs. Which is hear completely that? possible. Yeah, <laughs> which is completely possible. You want to be closer to his pooches, but it just doesn't make sense. Like. Why would Buffalo do that? He also gave away Connor Sheary and Evan Rodriguez. You got a really good player in Dominic Cahoon. Like Dominic yeah. Cahoon is is sneaky good, but I don't really understand what they're doing with with the whole let's bring in Wayne Simmons and not make playoffs and then watch him leave. And they also brought in another dude alongside Simmons. They were ca- talking about like the physicality. I can't. I didn't write it down because it wasn't a huge trade. But they brought oh, in good. another dude. Well, Buffalo doesn't make sense. So yeah. They got some, another year. They got some learning to do. Um, quickly, one more thing on my end, at least. Pittsburgh got better today, too. Bringing yep. in a Patrick Marlowe and, uh, like you mentioned, Connor Sheary back for a second re- second tour of duty. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Evan depth. Rodriguez fills in, fills and, in yeah, there in the top about Rodriguez. 12 somewhere. Bottom like, six, I guess, maybe. That, that forward group looking dang depth. scary. Depth. Crosby and Mac- Malkin back. So mm-hmm. that's uh, very good to see. All right. Anything else? No. I think that's pretty good. As I drop my piece of paper. Okay. Stall for where do Where are we going? Ovechkin has 700 career goals. That's pretty cool. <laughs> that is right. We didn't even get to that. Um, yeah. What is he? The eighth player? Something like that. In yeah. all time. Second fastest behind Gretzky. He has more goals per game than Gretzky does, which is kind of neat. Gretzky's at .60 goals per game. That's what he finished his career at. And Ovechkin has .61. Ooh. <laughs> so... I, I mean, longevity is obviously going to play a factor, but Ovechkin seems pretty poised to keep just shooting the puck a million times a season. And I'm sure if he's 45, he will literally just sign a contract, only play power play, mm-hmm. and stand in a dot and just take slap shots. And that will be all he does, but it's fine. We've talked about him for the last few weeks. Like he is, He's climbing and jumping past a ton of names yeah. on the all-time leaderboard. Um, Which is really cool. He's going to probably get... I think he... There's probably a couple guys he can still pass before the end of the year. I think a Marcel Dion's up there, yeah, and the uh, and somebody, yeah, just something that comes to mind. But uh, yeah, he's gonna make that climb, mm-hmm. and it's whether I deep down I think he wants it. Oh, I yeah. really do. Oh yeah, and hundred uh, percent. People are gonna be if it gets to that point in a few years. It's gonna be a big discussion yep. whether they want a 
a Russian like Ovechkin to break, you know, Gretzky's record. Do it. Yeah. He's such a good goal scorer. I think it's great for the game, too. Yep. Um, okay. I think. That's oh, enough, I think. Yeah, the whole. Okay, one thing. The Shea Weber situation. Oh, four Jesus. to six weeks. Good and God. then there was a report by Nick Kiprios, uh, formerly of Sportsnet, that he said he might be career ending. Yeah. And then five to six days later, he's back out on the ice. Yeah. Non-contact jersey and plays the next game. Yeah, what the hell are they doing? They're not in the playoff I race. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Why are they rushing Weber back? <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> like, Honestly, they what don't. What in the hell? But hey, they traded Nick Cousins today, so that's yeah. good. I yeah. guess go Montreal. And Cassian got the seven games. Oh, and they for traded a kick Cole in the chest. Yeah, and feel better, Jay Bowmeister. Yes, because that was a that's, scary. That's thing That's kind too. of old news, but it's yeah. still relevant. It's feel been better. a while since we've been back. So. Yeah. Um, okay, NBA talk. The uh, Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant memorial went down today at Staples Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, very heartwarming moment. We talked about that, uh, the whole situation, a couple weeks back. It's mm-hmm. been a month now. Um, crazy enough. Um, probably one of the highlights was Michael Jordan's speech. Uh, yeah. He turned himself into another crying meme yeah, for, even for years to come. It. Yeah, he acknowledged it. Uh, Shaq made a really good quote about uh, saying how there's no I in team. But Kobe says... <laughs> There's a there's, there's a me an in M- it motherfucker. Yeah, there's <laughs> something like an E motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, so that was a pretty good laugh. Yeah, um, yeah very heartfelt moment and and is a, a spot where the entire city of Los Angeles could just mourn mm-hmm. and uh, very touching time. So uh, that's good to see. Also, shout out to the Staples Center staff. Oh my god. That's the they busiest over, building in like the world. Well, they overfilled that capacity. There was people everywhere yeah. on the floor. Like the way they built that stage was ridiculous. Yeah, and they just they flipped that building around constantly, and it never like it never looks out of place. It always looks so good. I don't like, know if they everything had a, that they do in there always looks good. Did the Clippers have a game in there tonight? I know that they were playing, but I don't know if it was on the road. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, think so. Not that's pretty big of a flip, but yeah, that might be a little too much. Yeah, but I, I mean, kudos, like you said, that's mm-hmm. fantastic, and mm-hmm. they do a ton between the two NBA teams and the bats and the hockey team. Like, yep. That's crazy. Um, Lakers are waving Demarcus Cousins back to on court stuff. They're waving him for a roster spot, which I don't know who they're going to fill with, but uh, Boogie Cousins is re- rehabbing from. His, I think it's an Achilles, is what ailed him last year. Who the hell knows what it is now? (laughs) Yeah, really. I mean, he's gonna stay in LA to rehab. He's not gonna like look for another team to jump on. But he's not playing this year. That's really sucky. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns with the Minnesota uh, Timberwolves. They trade for his best friend in D'Angelo Russell a couple weeks ago. Yeah, plays a couple games with them and then breaks his wrist. Right, he's out minimum two weeks. So that's not fun. Is Carl Anthony Towns getting to be into like bust status? Like, is he getting to that point? I was thinking about this earlier today because, like, his name has lost clout among, like, basketball circles, right? Like, it's easy to get past. Yeah. Like, I mean, look at how fast Doncic has risen and how fast, I mean, coincidentally on the Mavs, but how fast Porzingis came back. Yes. Because, I mean, he was there, went away, and now is back again. Mm -hmm. But, like, is Carl Anthony Towns, like, on the wrong side of all of this? You're, I mean, you're right in the fact that at one point he was voted as the number one guy to build a franchise around. Yeah, and I don't even know of, if he's in people's top ten. Head of Embiid, ahead of Porzingis, ahead of all these point guards. It's interesting because he is super talented, and the stats prove it. Mm-hmm. He can he can do anything on the basketball court, but he almost resembles a former Minnesota Timberwolf in Kevin Love. Yeah. Because Love was all stats, 
no success. True. And until he finally teamed up with with LeBron and Kyrie and made it a, a big three, he had no success either. And well, they were wondering if he like, was a franchise player. Like, Love is always going to be thought of as, like, the third guy, right? Like, Kevin Love is never going to be thought of as... So is Bosch, though. True, but I guess we perceive Chris Bosch a little bit differently with his time in Toronto. Yeah. But, like, Kevin Love's never going to be perceived as a guy that was... As good as his numbers indicated, he actually, like, has played, right? Yeah. I'm purely on stat lines. Like, Kevin Love, for years, has been incredible. He could do anything but as well. But he's never going to get that kind of... Uh, not necessarily respect, but kind of. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that, that, that respect. And if Carl Anthony Towns doesn't make something out of where he's at, then he's going to become the third guy on a team and just be known as a guy that, well... He just never was as good as he should have been. Up until last year, you could argue that Anthony Davis was the same sort of player. Because yeah. look at the... Sure, they had one round of playoff success that he fizzled out in against the Warriors in his six, seven years in, in New Orleans. Right. But then again, you pair him alongside LeBron, he's back to Defensive Player of the Year, he's anchoring the league's best defense. Yeah. People are looking at him in a whole new light. I think the public narrative on on Davis was different though, like in New Orleans, because I mean they had literally nobody forever, and it was just AD. But but it's a fair comparison. Like I don't know why we perceive them as being different because they're fairly similar situations. Yeah. But everyone perceives well, not everyone, but I would think the majority perceive Anthony Davis's situation to be different than what Cat's going through right now. Well, and for years he's been paired alongside Andrew Wiggins, yeah. and there's that talent that Davis didn't have. Yeah. Now that uh, Wiggins is gone, you bring in your boy, which is Russell. <laughs> your boy. Your boy. You want to play alongside? I'm going to say it's time. Busted it's time. Hand. It's time for nothing. <laughs> broken hand. Um. Yeah. Broken hand. So it's interesting. Like you said, it's it's going to be interesting to see whether this duo works for the Timberwolves or if it becomes a fact where, like Davis, he wants out. Yeah. And it's just it's just wild to me because the NBA is so quick to label what they like what is perceived to be of a player and then it sticks with you forever yeah like like i mean like andre drummond's another one he's a guy that's always been a consistent stat filler but has never been on a team that's worth anything really no and they had so, one one good run against the cavaliers in the playoffs yeah. a couple years back him and reggie jackson who are now both not with the uh with the Pistons anymore. But it's just so funny how, how NBA is like that and then they get into this pigeonhole and it's almost impossible to dig yourself out. Like once you become one of those upper echelon names, you have to stay there yeah. across the association. Yeah. No, it's, it's, just, it's crazy to think about. Like not many guys are like Kyle Lowry where like they become beloved across the league after being like a loser for years. And I don't mean like he's a loser. I just mean like he's lost a lot. He couldn't find a place yeah. in the league. Yeah. Like, those guys are... He was almost traded to New York, for God's sake. Right? So... Yeah, no, it, ask RJ Barrett how that is. I feel so bad. Yeah, I know. Him. You still do, don't you? Oh, poor guy. Uh, I mean, he was in the uh, Rising Stars game. True. So he represented the Knicks True. on the world stage. Yeah, good job. Um, speaking of the All-Star game and the uh, Rising Stars, what's your thought on... Did you catch any of the All-Star game last weekend? I did not. Okay. I don't know why. I think it was... I don't know. I wasn't I watching mean, the Daytona 500. 
No, because that, that came on the Monday. That right? was on the Monday. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we all know that your your favorite sport was yeah. not on. Yeah. Um, I caught the last few minutes there of the fourth quarter, and from all accounts and what what I seen, it was very fun. Yeah. You know, like Lowry was taking charges. The top, exactly, the <laughs> like, top ten dudes, and Lowry was one on the court, which was yeah. crazy enough to to think. Um, were just playing hard, and they were playing to the score, which I think was a whole new wrinkle. I wasn't completely sold on to start, but yeah. man, I, it turned me around. And I, I mean, they're talking about it continuing into next year, which I think is good. Obviously, some tweaks in there as well, but um, I don't know if it was a combination of the changes or as I bang the microphone, or was it the whole playing for Kobe kind of thing and, you know, the whole celebration of that. Yeah. But uh, it, it added, added a whole new realm to an All-Star game, which they, they at least they tried. They tried something. NBA All-Star weekend's always the best out of the core four sports, and uh, that's why. Because everything they do turns out being really good for the most part. And that was just uh, another example. Yeah, like by all accounts, I, I just saw the highlights of it, but it was like it was intense. Yeah. People were playing. They cared. Yeah. They wanted to win. I like to see it. You never see one charge, let alone two charges yeah, right? in an all-star game. And then he, uh, he, t- he tried to He take- was three, but he missed the first <laughs> one. He, he didn't get the first call. <laughs> and then he's the one who fouls Davis yeah. uh, to get the game-winning free throw there. So yeah. that's unfortunate. Um, did you see the dunk contest on Saturday? I did see that. I see, did see. I told you it's the best. It's the best. You uh, did. <laughs> you broke it down event. in starters. Yeah, it's the best event in the all, in any all star. Man, that was fun. That was. That was I, really we talked cool. about it. You just need two dudes to go back and forth. It's true. And it's true. Uh, Derek Jones Jr. and Aaron Gordon went at it. There was man, the Gordon off the side of the backboard with the, the spinning windmill. Oh my god, that was the spinning oh. windmill is one of the top five dunks I've ever seen in my life. That was. Sick. Easily, that was sick. I Easily, mean, and then Derek Jones had a crazy one between the legs. Like it was just like he had, he had some really good dunks, jo- Derek Jones Jr. But everything he did was worse than Aaron Gordon. Yeah, like, I, I just felt like it, it was just more just circumstance. Like everything Gordon did, I was like, wow. And then Jones would come up and I'd be like, okay, yeah. Like it was, <laughs> it was really good. But yeah. like, wow, Aaron Gordon, and that that was. I mean, he didn't win, but. I mean, at the end of the day, everyone was talking about him, and that's going to be one that people remember for a long time. That's two now. Yeah. That's two, and it's but that, that one's more memorable. It's unfortunate. Is it? You think so? Yeah. Over when, the when you add that, When you add that dunk, like, Cause the that, one that again, was a top five dunk ever in the dunk contest. That one he jumped over the mascot on the hoverboard in True. Toronto was insane. He yeah. cleared him. Yeah. And then between the le- underneath the legs. I mean, he also jumped Taco Fall. He bent over. Okay, sorry. So he cleared seven five instead of instead of seven six seven seven. <laughs> I don't like. Know. Sorry, I, right? Yeah. Like st- the point is that he cleared Taco Fall. Like yeah. I mean the the guy's insane and just but that that windmill three sixty is if you haven't seen it like just go look it up. It is by far one of the top five dunks ever in a dunk contest. It is in, guarantee it is insane. A hundred percent agree with that. Um. It's a shame that he's already proclaimed he's not going in it again. Yeah. He's he's retiring 0 of 2. We probably don't deserve another Aaron Gordon in a dunk contest, with, though. With the amount of dunk-offs he's done, he's basically done three or yeah. four, like, all spread out. Yeah. So he's he's done enough. He's what done else enough. can he do? <laughs> Literally nothing. Like, gosh. It's a really unfortunate. A um, couple things football-wise. Uh, you see this story probably was like a TMZ headline. With I did not. Cleveland left tackle Greg Robinson could spend twenty years in prison. Greg Robinson is that the guy 
that that does the Seth Rogen movies, like bigger dude. No, you're thinking. <laughs> I know who you're thinking of. Um, isn't oh that my, Greg Robinson? I don't say it's Clint. No, Clint. Craig. Ro- Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. <laughs> that's it. Um, Greg Robinson, Cleveland left tackle, spent 20 years in prison for possessing 157 pounds of pot. That's awesome. Going down to Mexico, the cop searches car. Should have came to Canada, dude. 157 Like, where are you storing it in a car? <laughs> That's plenty. Just throw it in a briefcase, man. <laughs> That's nothing. <laughs> throw it in a little travel case or two. You're fine. Like, That's a lot of it's pot. It's almost like you're hauling a fifth wheel. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> and you're drunk. Like, I mean, I c- you could put that in the back of my truck right now for, like, extra grip on the snow. <laughs> like, that would help weigh down the box of my truck. That is screw the kitty litter. Yeah, that is a lot. That. That's a lot of dope. <laughs> but, a lot uh, of pot. That's 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 crazy. I yeah. mean, that's probably worth some prison time because like trafficking. But yeah, uh, trying to go to Mexico with it. Yeah, like oh. you know, maybe if you just no Jose. didn't do that. Yeah, if you if you bought 157 pounds legally from. I don't know Nova Cannabis <laughs> or something up here in Canada. Like maybe that's different. Yeah, but we could have helped you out, Greg. Yeah, West Side Weed. <laughs> or, uh, uh, that's all I can think of. Waldo's 420? Head. Oh, yeah, Waldo's 420. We might, we might sell them out, though. Like, they might have not, not have any stock left. That's true. Uh, that's a good point. I wonder how how much, like, he's getting that. He's getting that from, like, a Costco type. <laughs> but, like, how many pounds of weed do <coughs> businesses have here in town? Like, that's what I want to know. On stock? Yeah, like, in the building. Like like Spirit Leaf. How many pounds does Spirit Leaf carry at one time? You're asking the wrong dude. Oh, I don't know either. Yeah. But like that that's something I kinda wanna know, just for comparison. No. Just because like say and I could be way off on this number, but say Spirit Leaf has mm. fifty pounds in their building. Like that's that's three stores. He has three stores worth on his person going to Mexico. In like, his car, right? That's why I want to know what the number is, because if it's like something like fifty, like that's insane. But if yeah. If stores carry like 5,000, then uh, this whole conversation just is moot. It's interesting. I got to find that out. That's interesting. Okay, yeah. well, we'll we'll wrap that up and, and try to get you an answer next okay. week. All right. Uh, quick couple points here. Greg Olson signing a one-year $7 million deal with the Seahawks. Russell Wilson gets a tight end. That That's fine. Can hopefully stay healthy. We'll yeah, wait and see. cheap in football, isn't it? Yes, Seven it is. Mil. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's probably a, not even guaranteed. He's a guy that was at one time one of the top of his position, yeah. not so much anymore, but provides some depth because the tight end position in Seattle was hit with major injuries last year with Will yeah. Disley who got hurt and the backup got hurt and they were down to Luke Wilson, Canadian Luke Wilson, who not the, that great, but yeah, I'm trying to think they had some better other than you too. and I, but yeah, I don't know. It was just like it was a constant. Okay, which. Seattle tight end am I picking up on the waiver yep. wire this week that's yep. kind of how it was yeah there was a couple of dudes uh, and then finally Drew Brees coming back for his 20th season with the New Orleans Saints yeah gonna try good. to one more kick at the can we'll see how that goes uh, I want to wrap up the podcast with more Houston Astros talk oh good because Fuck since them. we've chatted with you last as my microphone oh, falls yeah, away from me I'm having sliding. a lot of issues here today it is gosh um, it's sliding away so I guess Cole's notes, the Astros have, quote-unquote, apologized yes. for the science-stealing scandal. Technically. Um, that was that was Altuve, and Bregman was on the, on the stage. Yes. And then Jim Crane takes to the mic. Yes. And says that, we still won the World Series, so we don't think it impacted it very much. Yeah, he, he didn't think it impacted the game. All right, Jim. 
All right, dude. Pour another one there, Chief. Um, yeah, let's just say that did not go Your over very well. Farm equipment, crane, and mine's a, a toy, so like I can say it. So shut up, Jim <laughs> Crane. <laughs> um, idiot. I mean, when you're getting comments from some of the top players in the game, like yep. Mike Trout yep. and Cody Bellinger yep. and Mike Clevenger. <laughs> Mike Clevenger. I don't know if he deserves to be in that conversation. No, I, with Mike Trout and Cole Bellinger. I, mean, I could also I throw. I could also throw Nick Marquez. Nick Marquez in yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. Um, like though, there's some seriously angry dudes. Yep. Around the league. Yep. That no matter what notice that Major League Baseball sends to teams, the Astros are in for it bad this year. Could be. Yep. Like I would think so. It's just not like. Road games are going to be a whole different animal, obviously. But like, even the reception home-wise, I'm I'm a little curious. And there's a talk that it's could be even beneficial for baseball to have this in the game, as ratings-wise, storyline-wise. There's actually some talking points. Yep. For a game that's been pretty, like the word you mentioned, moot. Yep. In years past. Yeah, they're having a tough time. But it's it's super interesting. I don't know what to expect. And I'm I'm very I'm looking forward to these first road games. They hit the road in I think they go to Anaheim for the one of the first series of the year. Right. You know Dodger fans are gonna be there. Probably. And it's gonna be very heated. Probably, yeah. I mean like Commissioner Manfred's come out and said that like throwing at dudes isn't gonna be tolerated, but <clears throat> which is which is kind of ironic because like you're not punishing the players at all for for their role in what was reportedly a player driven initiative for the most part they were granted immunity so yeah and from everything for for being honest which is just cute like okay we're back in grade 1 um but i i i've just have this feeling that it's not going to end up being like the hype that it is, but it'll be a constant theme over the course of the year where different dudes aren't going to give a fuck. And like Amir Garrett of the Reds is going to come in and just fucking tag you and not care and then try and fight everyone on the team by himself because he's done that before. <laughs> yes, he has. And so there's going to be instances like that throughout the season. <laughs> that's a good That's a good pull, Amir Garrett. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but like, like it'll be... Uh, you're going to get a feel... And we're not going to know this right away. This is going to be something that you'll have to watch for over the course of the year because they're going to get thrown at. That That's going to happen at some point by some guys, and it might be multiple, but it's where they get thrown at. Yeah. Like, as a guy who used to be a pitcher, I would not be aiming for the ass like everyone keeps talking about. Not a chance. You're aiming, like, square in the back. Okay. Like you, you don't. Some again, maybe I shouldn't say Amir Garrett, but he's already a name that's been brought up. <laughs> he might be crazy enough to like run one right up top, like that's right by the bell. Clevenger, I mean, he's he's been one of the most vocal pitchers I've seen and heard from. Yeah, you're telling me a a Cleveland Houston series, he doesn't go up top. That's where we have an issue. I, I mean, think. But you're also you're. You're also in there because of your lack of action. Like, as a league, you haven't done enough in protecting players from this happening. Because, yeah, you can say, well, 
yeah, don't do it or else you're going to get suspended. Do you think a bullpen guy cares? No. He's like, I'm taking three days of rest anyway, idiot. What are you going to do? Suspend me for 10 days? Okay. I guess I'll just throw a couple side sessions and it'll be fine. Like, the bullpen guys aren't going to give a shit. And that's those are the guys that th- run it up to 99. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that run it up to triple digits. So it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic goes. I wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me as bad as it is to say that someone runs it up to someone's bell. Yeah, that would not surprise me. Hundred percent. I like agree it, with you. I think Bregman. Every time a starter comes out of the game for the opposing team, should be shitting himself, standing at the plate, and he better hope there's guys on base. Like they better hope that their on base percentage is like six hundred. <laughs> because if there's empty bases, two outs, and you have Bregman up, and like you have a reliever that throws 99, and he, you know, it's his third day up with the club from double A. He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah, they He'll run a, it up to you. A lot of transactions when He's the Houston fine. Astros come to town. Just yeah. bring him up. Yeah, he doesn't care. <laughs> but it's like, and I'm not saying they're going to do that, but like in that instance, and, and even the mindset is like, okay, if I'm uh, a reliever that's trying to cut my teeth in the league and I'm jumping in with my team and I'm I'm one week, two weeks, a month into my pro career in the MLB. And there's two outs. And Carlos Correa is standing at the plate. I am 100% dotting him. I'm giving him my best fastball right in his back because there's not going to be any repercussions from the team. Mm-hmm. Sure, you might get suspended from the league. Sure, you might get fined, whatever. I'm willing to bet, we're never going to hear about it, but I'm willing to bet that teammates will help pay for the fines of dudes that get fined That's if they get fined. That's happened before, absolutely. It will happen. Because there's so much disdain for the Houston Astros. I, I am fascinated. I, like I said, I don't think it's going to live up to the height that everyone's thinking where 162 games a year, some dude's going to get plunked. I don't think that's going to happen because like teams still want to win ball games. But there's going to be multiple times throughout the season that like Bregman might lead the league in hit by pitches. Correa's going to be in there. Altuve, he's going to wear a bunch. Yes. Just because like, look at his his strike zone already, like they could totally yeah. just. I just cannot play that wait. Off. I cannot wait for like the Dodgers to play them, the Yankees to play them. I I want to see just Cleveland. Some, I want to see Clevenger yeah, go to town. Yeah, Clevenger. I mean, he's. I, I feel like he's just a lot of talk, and he's also a little soft. Like yeah. Trevor Bauer was like Bauer like too. Bauer's like he talks a lot, but he's also fucking nuts. Yeah. Like I feel like Bauer would kill people. <laughs> like I love Trevor Bauer. Love him. But I well, feel Mark like Marcakis was the one who said everyone should get a beatdown. Like physically hard. <laughs> Nick Marcakis looks like he was like the like the villain in, in a Bond movie. Uh-huh. Like he he looked terrifying in that clip. Take a bat to you. But like those guys, what are they gonna do, right? Mm-hmm. You you haven't ever heard many pitchers outside of like Clevenger and Bauer yeah. that have really said anything. True, but uh, it'll be interesting nonetheless. Yes, and then like also so when it's not a matter of if it's when it happens, whatever incident it is, it's going to be very interesting to see what Commissioner Manfred does in terms of a punishment. How strict does he basically set the rule right away that this is not tolerated? You're getting. 20 yeah. games like I don't know because then it's he like, does, does not the, want this to happen they all want to move on but what's the line yeah, that the makes players, it a deterrent for exactly. people exactly if the players don't want to move on the players aren't going to move on and the players don't want to move on 
Not right like, now. I wonder how many, like, we haven't heard of any players getting plunked in uh, spring training yet. Nope. Just the Caleb that's Joseph, they're drunk yeah. solo there for the Blue Jays. Yeah. That was pretty funny. But that's going to happen. Like, that, that, like it, it's going to start soon. It's going to start before the regular season starts, I would imagine. Yeah. But I'll have to wait and probably see on deserve that. It. It's very interesting. And the fact that some players, some people in the organization are still, you know, saying, whoa, it's me. Like, it's, it's not us. We didn't do anything wrong. It's While just, as the rest of the players, basically everyone in that locker room has said sorry for some yeah, reason or another. But so the annoying. owner is such a he's so idiot. dumb. Yeah, he's so dumb. But it's even just so annoying that like the report doesn't say what players were actually involved because now we just assume all of them are bad people. Yeah. And so now you have like former bench coaches that are apologizing, like <laughs> the the hitting coach for the Jays. Like, he's apologizing. Fucking, what's his name? Derek Fisher. Can't catch a fly ball. Hits him square in the face. But he's apologizing because he was a part of the team at that time, too. Oh, And because none of the names were cleared, no one knows who's actually involved. And that's another part of the problem. Correa is like the spokesperson for the roster. Correa he's like, needs he's to saying, check himself. He's, he's saying soft as porridge, he's too. He's saying Altuve we didn't, didn't use the garbage cans very much. Well, Correa needs to worry about playing more than 85 games this season. Good point. And not hitting 210. Yeah. Like, figure it out. Yeah. You worry about your own stuff. Dude. Hit 30 bombs and Fuck. hit for 300. That'd be nice. Yeah, no kidding. Um, All right. Before we're done, did you, yeah. have you seen the story on Madison Baumgartner? Quickly, uh, give me the Coles notes on it. Okay, so my cousin sent me this. Madison Baumgartner has an alias. Okay. His alias's name is Mason Saunders. Sounds and Mason Saunders entered two rodeo events. Oh. <laughs> so he didn't want... This was in between while he was a free agent. He didn't want anyone to know that he wanted to go rodeoing. As a free agent. Well, yeah, at all. He just didn't want anyone to worry about his health or anything like that, or, or anyone just to even to know, know who Madison Bumgarner was. Who he was. Okay. So he used the alias Mason Saunders. Mason Saunders. And he entered two different team roping competitions. Gotta love your team rope. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he actually got how do you fare? He actually he uh, he got a second place finish hey. in a team roping event, which is hilarious. Man, though. Man, he must have some experience back in the day. But he also not, and this is what's hilarious. It kind of ties it all together. He wanted to go to Arizona because he wanted a place for his horses. Oh, to be traded. He when he signed with Arizona. Yeah, he signed his free agent deal with the D-backs. And he said one of the biggest reasons why he signed was because he wanted a place for his horses. He wants to keep his horses around because he's been rodeoing this on whole time. Yeah, on the side. It's I forgot incredible. That we didn't even mention it on the pod, but so he is a Diamondback now. Yeah, yeah, I he is. I didn't know. I thought he was resigning with the Giants. Oh no, he uh, he, he signed back. He has a five-year, eighty-five million-dollar oh, contract. That does sound familiar. Mm. I'm that just escaped my mind. So he. <laughs> Okay, the so reason he went to Arizona was for his horses. To be in the rodeo. And I well, think I think there's a correlation. And I believe I saw the Astro, not the Astros, the um, Diamondbacks GM or owner say, I don't care what he does in his off time. Yeah, probably. So he can yeah. continue being Mason Saunders for as long <laughs> yeah, as he wants to. Now there's to. no point to being Mason Saunders. <laughs> He'd be Madison Bumgarner. Who would have thought, though, that of all the people that would have an alias, it's Madison Bumgarner. Do you not look at the man and be like, this guy looks like a major league baseball player. He, I've seen him on TV before. Yeah, you would think he would be recognized with at that some hair point. and the beard. Like, man, because yeah, he looks. He he didn't like do like undercover boss where no. he changes his looks. Like he looks <laughs> the exact fucking same. 
Like, he doesn't look any different. Just has a big heater in his lip and is just wearing plaid, hanging out in what? front of Rancho something or other. Uh, Rancho Rio. Where that, he, that's his horse? or uh, No, that's that's <laughs> some event he was at. Rancho Rio. I have Rio. no idea what that would be. Um, that's very interesting. Good point. Fuck, that's, yeah, I just thought that was funny. Mason Saunders. Out of boy. Mad bomb. Keep Mad making bomb. your money. Make, you you got to make a little side money. Everybody's, yeah, yeah. everybody's hurting nowadays. So. Yeah, I mean, you got to feed the horses somehow. <laughs> very true. Um, is that everything for that's you? That's the last one I got. That was a good yeah. one. Ah. Uh, thanks so much for downloading and finding us here tonight. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash on the board podcast. We're on Twitter at on the board pod. And like we mentioned off the top of the podcast, we are on YouTube. Yeah. If you want to uh, see our lovely faces. We have more than one camera, just not tonight. Not today, because our camera guy who fixes all that stuff, Corey's not here. We'll uh, hopefully have Corey back next week. We do have a little sneak preview. We do have a special interview with uh, a member of the Messinat Tigers coming down later this week. So stay tuned for that. We're yep. going to be getting uh, his thoughts on this season and, uh, I guess, the stretch drive coming down to the playoffs. So. It'll be an interesting perspective. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. For Lance Dahl, Colby McKee, signing off. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to On the Board. Subscribe now on your favorite podcast platform and find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. Yes! Yes!